they're not going to put themselves into positions of uncomfortable. They're not going to sit there and face their fears. They're maybe they'll ignore them, but they won't face them. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Kara Golden, who is the founder and CEO of Hint Inc., best known for its award-winning Hint Water, the leading unsweetened flavor water. But she's also the author of Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. She's also a podcast host, a speaker, a writer, and all kinds of amazing things. So Kara, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited for the conversation. So I want to dive right in. You know, you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? And how do you think it impacted your path in taking hint to the $150 million company it is today? So maybe unlike some other entrepreneurs that are out there, I didn't think that I was going to become an entrepreneur. It was, uh, I had worked for entrepreneurial companies at the time way back when CNN and then went into a startup that was a spin out of Steve Jobs uh, called Two Market and then AOL, of course. But I never really even at working at those companies thought that I was going to eventually go start my own company. But when I saw a problem in my own life that I felt I had a solution for, that's when I started thinking, gosh, maybe I should just go do this. And that and more than anything, you know, I think that entrepreneurs can come from anywhere. They don't have to be born that way. They don't have to think when they were in grade school that one day I'm going to go run my company or they don't need to hate their former bosses and think that maybe I'm... uh, Maybe I should just go work for myself. They can really launch a company based on having a problem and having a solution for it. Oh, I love that. So, you know, when you talk about the early days of Hint, one of the stories that you often share is talking about a call you had with a Coca-Cola executive early on, where honestly, he was super dismissive about the idea, why it would work and everything else. As a former corporate leader yourself with your time at AOL and other companies, Why do you think big companies so often miss these emerging trends, despite all the market research at their fingertips and all the tools that they have? I think the problem that I've seen inside of large companies is that they are trained to think a certain way, right? And often if they're a public company, then they're also focusing on the bottom line. And so often you know, you're not going to see the kind of problems in maybe a focus group because you're asking specific questions about how people think about things. And I'm a huge believer that consumers may not actually know what they want, but instead they can focus or they should be focusing and you should be asking what are some of the problems that are out there. Now you find out the problems And that doesn't mean that a large company can go solve those because then maybe they're putting their existing business, thinking about, well, this could cannibalize existing business, et cetera. And I think that the story behind the Coca-Cola executive came about a year into my journey of starting Hint when I really had a lot of doubts in, in whether or not I could pull this off. And of course, naturally, I felt that here's a, a senior executive at a multi-billion-dollar company that is really knows what he's doing. I thought that he'd be able to solve some of my issues and questions that I had around distribution, as well as manufacturing 
an unsweetened flavored water with no preservatives. And that's when I ended up having a phone meeting with this person 15 minutes into the call of sort of explaining how successful this had been in the San Francisco Bay Area where I live in stores like Whole Foods and uh, was selling in multiple stores. He dismissed me pretty quickly and said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. Uh, This product isn't going anywhere. And that's when so many people have asked me, why didn't you hang up the phone on him? Why didn't you? I mean, I was certainly shocked by what he had said, call it rude, dismissive, whatever. But it was at that moment that I really realized that that was that was such an important moment for me where I realized that he was on a different path on a different river, call it whatever mission. I'm not sure if he, I would call it a mission, but he had different initiatives that he was thinking about, including the fact that he felt that the consumer wanted a drink that had less calories at the time. Diet drinks had 10 calories. That was kind of the best that anybody was doing. And so I was saying that I didn't think the consumer actually wanted less calories. Of course, they take it. But the key thing was, was that they wanted something that helped them enjoy drinking water, which was what I had developed. And he said, no, that's not where that's not where we're going. And that was when I hung up the phone with him. It was all good, right? It was an hour conversation. It was friendly. I didn't hang up the phone on him. It was like, I hung up the phone at the end of the hour. And that was the moment when I realized that he's not going to do this company. He doesn't see what I see. And I go back to the relationship, the consumer early on that we were able to get just by having an email and a phone number for our company on the bottle. Day one of being on the shelf at Whole Foods, we started receiving phone calls and emails from consumers saying, thank you for developing a water that doesn't have the sweeteners in it. So having that relationship, having that energy coming from these consumers and validation that I was actually doing something right was way more powerful than what the Coca-Cola executive had shared with me. But the key thing for me too, was also realizing, you know, a very, very big business issue for me was money and capital. And so having worked in large companies, I knew that they not only, they were not only a huge revenue producing company, but they also had money to go and spend marketing. So I had to throw the gas on pretty quickly to go build this thing. Otherwise they would be taking my ideas and going and trying to replicate it in some way. So a really important moment, uh, one that again, I, I always say to people, sometimes you have these meetings where, you know, they're challenging, they're dismissive, and you have to figure out whether or not you're going to use use that information to actually move forward. So fast forward to today, and you've gone from being the challenger to the one that others are trying to launch and challenge against. So how do you mm-hmm. keep your team from having those same blinders on maybe as you look at you know potential threats to your business? I think innovation for us as a company has always been something that is absolutely critical from day one. I realized that I was not only launching a product in a company, but I was also launching a new category. And the interesting thing about growing up in a company and running and and starting a company from, from scratch and building out a new category is that you actually see the challenges and you must have that relationship, not only with the consumer, but also 
trying to make the buyers that you have to deal with understand that they really need this product. And so this was a problem that I was trying to solve, solve for myself around drinking water, that I wanted water that tasted better, but everything had sweeteners in it. And so again, I had the solution for it. And the same thing happened to me around a few years ago around a health issue that I had with my skin. I had basal cell precancer on my nose and I kept avoiding it saying, oh, it's no big deal. And then it actually was a big deal. And I started thinking and asking myself the same questions, not why don't I drink more water, but also why don't I wear sunscreen? And what I realized is I could had four or five issues with the sunscreens that were out there, including this ingredient called oxybenzone. And nobody was creating a product that didn't have oxybenzone in it that was not a mineral-based product. And mineral-based products all were very white, very chalky. I didn't want to put it on my face. And so I started asking the question, why do we need oxybenzone in it? And very similar to what I saw with launching a beverage, just by not having the experience in the industry, I was able to ask questions that most people didn't know the answer to because they were working at large companies at best who just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. So I think that that process, we launched uh, the sunscreen and, you know, very successfully and then continued to launch other things where we saw issues and frankly, starting with my own life and starting with what I was seeing. Uh, but it's something as a CEO too, that may be a little unique to our company where I'm very involved in the innovation process it, and it has remained part of what, you know, I think about daily because when I look at our consumer, they are looking for health, right? Unlike a typical beverage company, they're looking for solutions to health, whether it's, you know, how do I, find a water that tastes better, or how do I find skin or deodorant or hand sanitizers? And so our goal as a company is really to work for that customer to help them find that and build that trust. And that's what we've done over the last 15 years. But it's really ingrained, I think, in in the company. And frankly, as we recruit, we hear that from our potential employees, as well as our employees, that that is really what entices them, that we're not a typical beverage company. We are a company that is really looking at solving problems for the consumer, but also doing things different. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, as if you didn't have your hands full enough being the CEO of a business, you also decide to write a book, you do a podcast. With Undaunted, the book that you wrote, what inspired you to write it? 
So I was journaling for the last uh, little over four years. I was doing a ton of traveling, building the company. And in many of these cities, I didn't know anybody and got tired of watching TV and sitting in my hotel room and many plane rides as well. So I started writing. And I was also, in addition to working on the company, I was also doing a ton of public speaking and hearing questions from people in the audience around things like, you know, not only how you, how I built this thing, uh, this company hint, but also making big statements about me, including that I was a risk taker. And then I obviously didn't have any doubts and how that was so much not what they were and what they were made up of. And, and so that's when I really thought about how many people are really confused about the typical entrepreneur and particularly the successful entrepreneur that I have met many of them over the years and have found very similar characteristics, including the fact that there are doubts. Um, They often had doubters. They had an ability to call it pivot or instead of continuing to go left, they they were able to see maybe we should go right and make decisions along the way. So not only being creative, but also the ability to execute. And finally, that they had fears and often had failures along the way. So the, the entrepreneur, as confident as they may seem to many people, they are not necessarily the fearless risk takers. They're, there's a lot more in between the unicorns and the failures. And I thought just through stories and my own stories of building this company, I really want to share with people, not only who are thinking about building a company or who are building a company, but also people who are dealing with entrepreneurs and maybe even have a little bit of challenges in trying to figure out how to get unstuck and how to really do what they ultimately want to do. Uh, I think that one thing I also talk a lot about is just this learning that I had and sort of personal development that I wouldn't have said even when I left my last corporate job at America Online that I was, you know, I would have said the words bored, uh, I want to do something else, I don't know what it is. And I never said the word learn something new. And instead, what I was describing was something that I think many C-suite executives kind of fall into this camp where they're managing and teaching, maybe mentoring, but they're not learning themselves. And that for me was the real excitement in jumping into this new industry because I learned, I really went down to the bottom, right? Where I wanted to learn and I had eyes and ears wide open. And I think that that is something that I'd love to see talked about more for C-suite executives. It's not about retiring or maybe jumping on a board or another board, it really is about going and finding you're uncomfortable and maybe what you fear a little bit and, and going back down to the bottom. Cause I have to tell you the number of executives that have reached out to me, not just after the book, but just also who have known that I've gone and started a company and saw what my background was are really jealous because they're, they, they look at this as, as something that doesn't seem obvious, but how did you do it? How did you find these things, these, these problems and, and uh, find that passion that you, that you get excited about because it's your journey and it's your life to live. And 
that was the story that I really wanted to share with people. Speaking of that story, you mentioned the fearless risk taker. And as you have all these conversations, whether as a speaker or on your podcast, what's an example of an entrepreneur that really just jumped out to you that you would have thought they were that fearless risk taker, but the doubts or the doubters were there and just not talked about? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. There's so many that I've interviewed. Um, so one in particular that I remember when he went off to H&R Block, Jeff Jones, are you familiar mm -hmm. with? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so he's at Target, right? And I I read this this note that he's left and then he's gone on to an H&R Block. And I really didn't think that that was, uh, that that, I don't know if it's exactly a failure, but it is an example of somebody who's gone to the not obvious, right? He was able, he knew a ton about data. I don't know if you remember, but he was very involved in the data breach and really the cleanup of the data breach at Target, which was probably one of the larger data breaches, especially to e-commerce companies um, that I recall. But when he received a phone call from H&R Block, it didn't seem like an obvious, you know, jump. Obviously, it was it was going to be a CEO role, but he definitely had a few fears along the way. He had to he had the experience in building an app out, so that was terrific, but also just just putting himself into places where he could fail, right? Mm -hmm. That he could actually not be known for, you know, building great things, but instead he had an idea to, to really go and solve a problem. And so I think that that for me was such an interesting conversation. Another one who really kind of surprised me was the, the CEO of Belvedere Vodka. And he talked a lot about managing through the, you know, the pandemic and kind of the things that he learned and very similar to one of my stories in my book, actually, around having too much business in kind of one vertical, he actually had too much business sitting on the island of Ibiza. And so one funny story was uh, funny, you know, to everyone else, except for him when he's in it, but the amount of business that he was doing on the island of Ibiza, when Ibiza went and shut down, I mean, he said, I, I was actually trying to encourage them not to shut down as an island, as a country, right? Like, at, as the entire country, you know, basically forcing this issue on the island for all the right reasons, he said it was going to affect his business so greatly because he had too many eggs in one basket. So things like that, I guess you can call them failures, uh, but challenges along the way. But I think both of these leaders shared really what they envisioned as, um, as you know, just stumbles, right? And things that they won't do again and learning experiences more than anything. With that in mind, what do you think it means to be undaunted? And why is this over, the overarching message to your reader? I think people, the, the, like, as I mentioned before, as you grow, you know, up the ladder, you get older, whatever it is, what I've found is that people want to play it safe, right? You get, uh, and, and that is they do what they do every single day. And they're not 
going to put themselves into positions of uncomfortable. They're not going to sit there and face their fears. They're maybe they'll ignore them, but they won't face them. And so living undaunted is actually figuring out maybe at times being a little selfish for yourself, knowing that I need this in order to grow. But if you live undaunted and really focus on, you know, what are those doubts that you have that maybe you are not sure if you can go build a company or one another story I talk about is really doing it from a personal standpoint too. I have a fear of heights. And so I tackle a height fear every single year. And one of them I talk about is my Grand Canyon experience. You'll learn so much about yourself and uh, just taking steps and going out and trying and really living undaunted is the big message that I want to get across to people and hoping that they also do that for yourself. Because again, the best leaders, the the best entrepreneurs, the best humans are really the ones that I've found are consciously doing that often. Sometimes you stumble upon it. Most of the times you don't. You instead just see this problem and you don't sit there and allow the walls to get higher or stay in front of you. Instead, you just go tackle those things. Wonderful. Well, I think that's the uh, perfect message to bring the conversation to a close on. So I really appreciate the gift of time of sitting down for this conversation and amazing to learn about everything that you've accomplished. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.